On this day 50 years ago, Miss Rosa Parks refused to give up her bus seat to that white devil, and now here we are today. Thank God she didn't just go home and write a blog. Everything bothers him. He's unbothered. He calls it unbothered, but that's what's cute, because everything bothers him. He's bothered. I'm a botherina. What's up, everybody? It's Unbothered by Ty Rivera. I am your host, Ty Rivera, the absolute best LGBTQ comedian in the world. Before we get started, please make sure you hit the like button, comment when I get on your nerves, and subscribe so you know the next time I'll be getting on your nerves. Snoopy Bijou is currently enjoying a Whimsy's Alligator. Whimsy's Alligator is never to be sponsor of Unbothered by Ty Rivera, but still, we shout them out. And if you guys want to pick up some Whimsy's, they're a great treat for your dog to chew on. They're made of vegetables so they won't kill your dog or they shouldn't kill your dog don't put me on record as saying they won't kill your dog and then they kill your dog and you're like ty rivera said they wouldn't kill my dog they might kill your dog they've never killed my dog i've had her for seven and a half years now she's had whimsies from the time we were six months in maybe so seven years she's been eating whimsies without incident so hopefully your dog can go seven years maybe you just have some other stuff that you want to buy on amazon click the link below to whimsies and then buy whatever you're gonna buy there either way i'll get some candy money out of it and I do mean candy money because it's really not a lot of money I ended up getting some money from them not too long ago and it was just candy money but every little bit helps and I always tell people that so let's go with that thinking and if you need anything click the link below it is an Amazon affiliates link so you know that I am getting some money from you buying whimsy it doesn't cost you anything extra it's not like you get charged a Ty Rivera tax or anything it stays the same price. I just get money for referring you. That's the way it works. So I was talking about Rosa Parks and I think it's appropriate to a lot of what I see happening and the last little bits of racism. Cause a lot of times people think racism is done and a lot of people that are actually dealing with their own internalized racism from the white side don't realize that that's what's going on or that's the reason that sometimes they feel like their opinions matter more than other people like a lot of times that is what would be called white privilege and i'm not one that really goes a lot on white privilege i have a lot of white friends i don't constantly talk about white privilege i'm not that guy but sometimes i'm just like yeah it's the wrong people that are getting this thrown at them all the time it is the wrong people that are thinking that they're super open-minded because they're gay. Like that's very common. In the gay community, white gays a lot of times will try to tell ethnic gays like myself what we're allowed to say and what we're not allowed to say. And it's like, no, you don't have the right to tell me what I'm allowed to say and what I'm not allowed to say. Can you not understand that maybe my perspective will be a little bit different because I am a person of color that's been living in the United States my entire life. And maybe I've seen a different side of things than you have. And also when it comes to being LGBT, not all of us live the same experience. Just because we're gay doesn't mean we've had the same upbringing within the gay community doesn't mean we've been exposed to the same types of people and sometimes I think that's where people get a bit confused because they think because they're not able to say something or they wouldn't have maybe the experience to say something that a person like me would not have the experience to say something either and that's why a lot of times I get into it with other LGBT people about some of my views on the trans community or jokes that I do regarding trans people the first thing you have to understand is when it comes to me and trans individuals some of my best friends have been trans people and that's been for years now i met some of these girls under different circumstances some of the ones that i'm the closest friends with 
I actually met because we were all prostitutes hanging out outside of the bar and not just outside of the bar because I personally, I guess have to is a strong word, but I didn't have to work the parking lots. Like my thing was I would put in an ad at the time everybody had pagers. And so you'd put your pager number on the ad and people would page you off of that. And then you'd go see people with the girls, the trans girls the way that it worked was they would do the same thing with ads but then also there would be guys that would cruise around the parking lot of the bars that would be looking for girls and of course i mean trans girls and so they would work the parking lot and i would stand out there and chat with them because we had a lot in common and they became some of my best friends so now sometimes i get in trouble for having a particular perspective but you have to remember that that was my upbringing in the gay community like when it came to dealing with trans women the way trans women used to get each other to get their look in order was by reading each other and if you don't know what reading is it's similar to roasting that's what I would say is it's similar to roasting. So a lot of the girls would be like, bitch, you need to fix that makeup or girl. If you call that booty, you are not going to make any money on these streets or stuff like that. And so they would clown each other into getting their act together. And that's one of my jokes that gets me in the most trouble is there's a joke I do. I'm sure if you pay attention to my stand up, you've heard it. But I talk about how trans people expect you to know what they are. And sometimes you don't know, which is true. And I think helpful advice because I noticed a lot of trans people getting mad at everybody for not knowing what their gender is supposed to be or what their preferred pronouns are. But nowadays, you really don't know. There are people that identify as non-binary. There's all sorts of different identifications out there as far as gender identification, which a lot of people would argue that there's only two genders. I'm one of the people that does believe that there are only two genders. But if somebody wants to identify as something else, that's fine. That's your business. I don't care. It doesn't bother me. If you're non-binary and you're not an asshole about it, I'm going to respect it. But if you try to get shitty with me, guess what? I'm probably going to get shitty with you back. So the joke that I get in trouble for is referencing that. It's like, you know, people expect you to know what they are and you don't always know what they are. And sometimes because I've had so many trans friends, I think I'm going to be good at guessing. So I guess and I guess the wrong thing. And if you guess the wrong thing, they get mad at you and they don't just politely correct you. They get mad, mad. And that's when I get mad, too. And I'm like, oh, no, bitch, you don't get to be mad at me. It's not my fault. You're a shitty fucking artist. I mean, we all can agree a butterfly is a beautiful thing. But if you were to open up the cocoon halfway through, and throw it out onto the fucking street you might be like that's a mess right there you might not even know it's a butterfly so what i'm getting at is trans people stay at home until you're pretty so that's the joke that keeps getting me in trouble with other lgbt people and the reason i bring this up is because there were some gays at my show on saturday night that were part of the same crowd that was trying to get me canceled from those drive-in shows that failed miserably and it's because one there's really nothing wrong with that joke Two, that joke kills it every time I do it. And three, my I'm not coming from a bad place with that joke. To me, that joke is reminding trans people that sometimes it is an honest mistake. And instead of getting mad at people, what you should do is politely correct them. And then later on, when you're friendly with them, you can go ahead and explain to them the subtleties of trans life or dealing with trans people. To me, that's the way you make change. So when I have these white queens that are upset and think I shouldn't joke that way or shouldn't talk that way, and I say white queens because it's always white people. It's always white gay men that have problems with what I do. 
And I know, I know it's because they're so used to being white and they're so used to their opinions mattering that they feel like if they're upset, even if the whole rest of the room was laughing, even if the whole rest of the room had no problem with the joke, because they're white, their opinion is supposed to be valued more than other people. And that's where we run into problems because I feel like, no, I don't care that you're white. I don't care what you're supposed to be. I don't care that you think because you're gay, now you identify as a minority. That's not the way it works first off. And the other thing is I'm still not treating you like you're something special. You are just a white person with an opinion. That's the way I feel about it. So if anybody ever wants to know how I feel about white queens telling me what I should and shouldn't say, that's the way I feel about it. I feel like that's your residual racism and you need to deal with that. Don't try to make that my problem and be like, this guy shouldn't be able to say what he's saying. Why shouldn't I? Everybody else has freedom of speech, do they not? Am I exempt from that because I'm brown and saying things that you don't agree with? Because really, I feel like I'm being more helpful than anybody else right now to the trans community when it comes to people with any kind of a platform. And yes, I can admit 100% that that joke still has to make the exact point that it's making because really what I want to get into with that joke and what that joke is a gateway to is also reminding people in the straight world, the cisgender world, that yes, we do still have to respect trans people and no, you don't have the right to bully people. No, you don't have the right to be rude with people. But also, at the same time, I need trans people to chill out a little bit. And when I say trans people, I don't even mean trans people. It's not trans people, it's trans activists. Trans activists are always getting mad about stuff and not realizing that they do more to hurt the cause than they do to help the cause. Like when you have these people on the other side, like say even those white queens that I'm talking about, they think they're doing a service for the trans community, but really they're not. What they're doing is they're making it seem like if people mention trans on any level, even a gay man mentions trans, even if he has friends that are trans and has been dealing with trans people for upwards of 20 years, they're still not supposed to say anything about trans people and that makes people feel like, okay, well then I just shouldn't talk to these people. I should just ignore them. And then when trans issues come up in the news, people feel disconnected and they also feel like they can't argue on either side because if they say that they don't necessarily see it the trans people's way, then they get raked over the coals for that. If they say that they do see it the trans people's way, but they use the wrong terminology, then they're in trouble again. So a lot of people feel like, yeah, I should just stay out of this because either way, I'm going to get in trouble. And that's where I feel like this is all more dangerous for trans people than it really has to be than it really should be. Because if you're really trying to help, what you do is you allow dialogue to happen because dialogue is how people learn. When people are actually able to talk about things, they get a much better understanding of things that they might not otherwise have any real interaction or experience with. And that's where a person like me comes in because then I'm able to educate, I'm able to help. And that's something that I've had a lot of conversations about off stage when people will ask me, how do you say this? Or how does this particular thing work out? And I'm like, okay, well, let me help you out because obviously you're having a little bit of trouble and I know that I can bridge this little bit of a gap in thinking or trying to understand. People don't get with me. Like when it comes to trans people, I really do want them to be able to live as freely as the rest of us. Like Laverne Cox just had an incident where she was accosted in a park, Griffith Park 
in LA and this was like two days ago she ended up doing a Instagram live about it and if you're not familiar with Laverne Cox she's a trans actress she was on Orange is the New Black and she's on some show now that I'm not familiar with I don't watch TV so I don't know the name of the show I think it's called Doubt but I'm not 100% sure but she was in a situation where she was hanging out in the park with a friend of hers they were going for a walk and some guy walked up to them, aggressively asked what time it was, and then asked the person that she was walking with, which was some guy she was hanging out with, if Laverne was a boy or a girl. So then that guy told the person that was asking the question to fuck off, and then the guy that he told to fuck off decided to try to attack him, and that turned into a physical altercation, and then somehow it de-escalated or they separated, and the guy took off running. The attacker took off running, and Laverne Cox went on Instagram Live to talk about it and talk about how that has been a part of her life for a long time. I personally would like to see a lot of that stop because in a lot of cases, I have been that guy friend because I have so many trans friends, and I'm not going to not show up with my friends because... I know that we're going to catch some kind of heat over it. And in a lot of cases, people are chill. And over the years, they've gotten more and more chill. Back in the day, people used to be a lot more open with their hate and discrimination. And I really used to have to step in quite a bit. Because me being a cisgender male, for some reason, makes people in society respect me a little more than they're going to respect a trans person. And that's just what it is. So I would step in and I would be that person that would be either the buffer or take the brunt of that for my trans friends. Anybody that's ever hung out with me and seen me with my trans friends knows I'm very protective of them because I've seen all the shit they go through. But when it comes to me on stage, you have to remember that my first objective is to make people laugh. Then I think it is partly my responsibility to try to educate at least somewhat. I don't feel like that's the main focus of my job, but I do feel like it is important since I have this platform and am able to educate people at least to a certain degree. But there's also certain frustrations that come from the straight community, the cisgender community that I can definitely understand. And if I can admit to that and I can relate to them on that level, then that makes the rest of the conversation even easier for us because then they understand that I understand things from their side too and I'm not just trying to attack them. I'm not just trying to act like I'm some sort of authority. I really am trying to get some understanding between the two communities and hopefully they walk away with a better understanding and they're more tolerant and they're better educated. But sometimes people step in thinking that it's their job to keep that from happening and I don't understand, like I said, other than white privilege because it's never been a person of color. So far I have zero people of color, gay or straight, that have problems with what I do. Trans people have seen my jokes and that's another place where you can tell that I'm not trying to be inflammatory towards the trans community is I have trans people in my audiences from time to time. Uh, you'll see them. There was one time in particular where there was this trans woman with what I would imagine was her boyfriend. She was Latina. He was like a cholo type. And I could tell she was trans. I knew. But 
I'm not going to call her out. I'm not going to point her out. I'm not going to do anything to make her uncomfortable. I don't even do that with other gay people. I'll ask sometimes if there's other gay people in the audience, but I don't just call people out because I don't know how dangerous it's going to be in the parking lot for them. There are people that are still homophobic. There are people that are still transphobic. So I keep that in mind when I'm on stage. But my point was I've had trans people in my shows and then approach me afterwards and talk to me about my jokes regarding trans. And usually, they're just like you are so funny you're so silly I know exactly what you're talking about some of these girls do need to get it together like these are the kind of things we talk about and then they'll reference my plastic surgery in a fun way because they'll be like girl you look like you might have been pumped too which is what they call it when you have silicone injected it's called getting pumped and I've told you guys before, that is something that I've had done. I had silicone injected when I was very young. It was a huge mistake. That's another thing I feel like I can eventually educate people on is not getting silicone injected into your body. A lot of times when you see like the Nicki Minaj body or Cardi B and they talk about butt shots or ass shots, that's something that you'll hear about sometimes. That's a reference to usually having silicone injected you can also have it done with sculpture now but sculpture doesn't last as long and it's super expensive and it only lasts like seven years silicone lasts forever that's why they had such problems ripping it out of my face and that's why i have the asymmetry that i have is because i had silicone ripped out of my face which isn't an exact science it's very hard for them to deal with because the silicone mixes with your muscle and your nerves and so they have to just pick it out manually and when you're dealing with nerves in the face and stuff like that, you can cause paralysis. I have a bit of paralysis in my face, which I don't think is a secret either. But when the girls tell me, yeah, you know, you look like you may have been pumped too, usually we'll laugh about it and I'll be like, yes, and I'll tell them who I got pumped by because the person I got my silicone injected by, well, the one that messed it up was actually some transgender woman back in the day that had no idea what she was doing and basically a charlatan, but I didn't know that at the time. But the person that did kind of the trying to fix it part and did a good job of that was a very famous trans silicone injector by the name of Monica Monet. And when I say famous, not famous in the regular world, but famous to a lot of trans people. A lot of trans people know the name Monica Monet, especially if they're from my generation or around my generation. She did a bunch of people here in Vegas. It's just what it is, you know? And then when I tell them who my family is as far as my LGBT family, that also is pretty famous in the trans community or the drag community because Drag and trans used to mix back in the day a lot more than they do now. I don't know how much that's changed, really, because I haven't been out to the bars that much. But the trans girls used to do the drag shows, and they would absolutely kill it. And that's the reason that they're not allowed on RuPaul's Drag Race, because it is... I wouldn't say cheating, but they do have a lot of advantages because if you're dealing with a girl that's, and when I say girl, I mean a drag queen that is having to stuff her shirt because she's just a drag queen, lives her life as a male, and then you have a trans woman who's had silicone injected in her hips, so she's got that shape that you need, that hourglass in a lot of cases, because girls I know used to absolutely go for it. They are pumped out of their minds, and it's, and it's beautiful, but they have these big cheekbones because of the silicone. They also have um, silicone, if not injected into their breast, uh, then they have the implants and they've been taking hormones. So you could see how they would just kick a drag queen's ass when it comes to 
a competition where you're in a lot of cases trying to emulate what a female is supposed to be and that's kind of what drag is now there's different kinds of drags there's camp where um you know people aren't necessarily trying to look like a female but they are wearing female clothes and so that's a different kind of drag you can look up camp if you want to when it comes to lgbt probably urban dictionary online is where you'll want to see what camp means exactly because it's it's a particular kind of drag. So it's more of a caricature than actually being a female illusionist, as some would say. And I know some girls that are just absolutely beautiful trans women that would just kill it on the scene. And there's two different pageant systems. There's US of A and then there's America. And those are the two pageant systems when it comes to female illusionist. And one of them accepts trans and the other one is only for people that haven't been surgically altered or haven't taken hormones i don't know the specifics on the way that that works with the pageant systems i know that one of my friends won the biggest one which is continental she's a bigger girl so she won continental plus is what she won specifically but it's a huge huge pageant and she won and that's my sister basically when it comes to lgbt but people don't get this and they don't take that into account they think that i'm supposed to go by the same rules as a straight person and that's just not what i'm gonna do because that's not been my experience i'm not gonna pretend that i have to treat trans people with kid gloves when that's a community that i do know quite well I'm not going to pretend that I'm not gay or not use the word fag because you get offended by the word fag and there's no reason you should expect anything from me but for me to be myself. And technically, like I said, that's the way that I can be the most help. That's the way that I've been the most help throughout my career when it comes to LGBT is by being myself and being as relatable as possible and thinking that I was going to be completely unrelatable. That's kind of the ironic part for me. There was a point where I was trying more to blend. I was never in the closet on any level when it came to stand-up. That wasn't a part of my experience. I was out from the first day that I started doing stand-up. I had already been out. I had already been living as a gay man. I was in a relationship with another man. I had already been living this life. And I already had my trans friends. I Like all of it. I had already been living this life. So my idea of trying to be relatable was kind of dumbing it down for them. And I don't mean that in an insulting way, you know, I'm smarter than everybody else, but in that world, I know a bit more than a lot of people, even when it comes to other LGBT people. Like I'll say certain things that are words or terms that trans people would use because that's been my experience in the way that I was raised. And other gay people will be like, oh, I'm not familiar with that term or I haven't heard of that before. And I'll be like, oh, well, that's what this means. And I'll explain it to them. And then it's all good. It's cool, you know, because they get that clearly I come from a different place than they do. So there was a point in my career and I can't remember exactly when that point was or what year it was. But there was just a point in my career where I decided, you know what, I'm not going to dumb it down for these people anymore. I'm just going to talk the way I talk. I'm just going to be me. And yeah, I'm going to be completely unrelatable. And they're just going to have to deal with it or they're going to have to go along with it. Well, it turned out to make me more relatable than ever. People absolutely loved it when I started doing that. And I was doing very well before I started doing that. But the average straight cisgender audience really got it. 
And it made it so easy for them to talk to me after the show. And like I said, it gave me those opportunities to be able to talk to them, to be able to educate them. But that's not something that the LGBT community wants to understand. Instead, the LGBT community wants to tell me, this is what you're supposed to say and this is how you're supposed to say it. Well, when you start writing these jokes and paying these bills, then you can tell me what I'm supposed to say and how I'm supposed to say it. But for right now, while you're sitting in your office at the LGBT center or you're doing whatever your little shitty job is, which the guys I'm talking about that got upset with my trans jokes from the other night are people that are in entertainment. So if anybody should understand, it's other people in entertainment, but they don't. Instead, they want to act like I'm supposed to do things the same way they do them. And I'm really trying not to call them out and not say, what shows they work for because they both work for shows here in Vegas right now nobody's working because but you know what I'm saying when I say work for shows like when before the shutdown happened they actually worked for shows so people like that to me should understand and if they wanted to talk to me you're welcome to talk to me I don't mind you talking to me I don't have a defensive posture when other LGBT people want to talk to me about what it is I do and why it is I do things the way that I do them I'm open to that I don't mind that I don't feel pressed when you ask me those kinds of questions because to me just like I'm explaining it here, it's all very basic and very easy. And you could talk to me and ask me some questions and we'll go back and forth a little bit. And maybe in the end, you won't like what you hear because your experience hasn't been my experience. And that's something you're just going to have to accept. You also have to understand that as a brown person, I'm not having white people tell me what I can and can't say. That's just not happening in 2020. And I know a lot of you are really happy that Joe Biden got elected into office. And to tell you the truth, like I said before, I will make that work for me as well. Because now that Joe Biden is going to be in office, it's going to be a whole different level of political correctness for you guys. And a lot of you don't even realize how that's going to work out for you because Brown people are tired of having to bow down to white people. And I personally have so many white friends that I don't really have this issue that way. And the people that are usually described as racist are usually the most open-minded in my opinion. They're not racist in a lot of cases. A lot of cases they just use the wrong words because of where they were raised or how they were raised. And that's something I'm able to understand. That's something I'm able to see through. That's something where I'm able to throw out their words and take their intentions and go with their intentions rather than their words. Not only because that serves my conversation with them or my relationship with them, but also because I think that's more helpful in general. If we all just went off of intentions instead of specific words, I think we'd all be a lot better off. But instead, some people think that the answer to everything when it comes to race, when it comes to LGBT, when it comes to all of that is to make certain words forbidden. And to me, that is the worst way to do it because then you can't get a gauge for where that person is starting off or where you could possibly go with them. I hear certain words, and for me, those aren't triggers. For me, it's more of a way to assess the situation and be like, oh, okay, so this is what we're dealing with. This is where you are in your development when it comes to LGBT. So I know what I'm working with, and I know how to deal with that situation. So I'm not gonna have couch fags, which is what I call these people that don't do anything, that just sit on their couch and have opinions about what people like me do. I'm very talented and I'm not going to pretend I'm not. I know I've been talking a bit lately about my depression and stuff like that. And that's just a part of being human and that kind of thing. But when it comes to what I do, I'm very good at it. All you have to do is watch any of my clips to see if you guys want to check out my 
I'll put it right here. You can check out some of my stand-up and you'll see that I am good at what I do. Words are what I deal with all day long, but intentions are more important than words. So when people get mad at me for using certain words, I'm like, why don't you find out what my intention is with that joke or why I use those particular words or why I talk that particular way? Why don't you get to know me if you're really trying to help? Or it, like I said, if you're just trying to be white, and tell a brown person what they're supposed to think and what they're supposed to say, then there's nothing for us to talk about because I can tell you clearly I won't listen to you. I won't listen to you even a little bit if I know that's what you're doing. But if I feel like you're really trying to figure something out, I will definitely help you out because there's a good chance I'll learn a little bit more too. I always ask people to question me about things that they don't necessarily understand that I've said or that I've done because I feel like when you ask me those questions, you make me really think about what it is I'm doing. And I could also step to it maybe with a little more depth because now I know what the other side is thinking or somebody that doesn't necessarily get me is thinking. And I can build something into that joke that will make it so that I understand. In a lot of cases, I have to figure that out on my own. That's something I've done with some of my edgiest jokes where I look at the audience and rather than getting mad at them for not laughing at that particular joke, because there are certain jokes that haven't gone over when I first done them. Some of my best jokes come from the most controversial ideas and where the audience really didn't like me for even bringing that up and still don't like that I bring it up. But once I get to the punchline, everybody gets it and everybody's like, oh, so that's why you had to say that that particular way. And people get it. But usually I have to go through that process on my own. So instead of getting mad at the audience for not laughing at things I say or for not getting certain jokes, instead what I'll do is I'll look at them on that joke that I'm having trouble with. And I won't stop doing the joke, even though I'm like this joke. I know where I'm going because I have faith, you know, because I'm like, I know where I'm going with this joke, but I don't necessarily know how to communicate it to them. But I know that there's something here and I know it's really funny and I know it's really going to help everything else that I'm trying to do. And so instead of getting mad, I'll just look at them and really be aware of what's going on in the room. And I'll try to figure out from their faces, their expressions, their body language. I'll try to figure out what it is they're trying to say to me what it is they're feeling in that moment because it's not just being offended there was one joke i used to do i don't really do it anymore once in a great while i do it and it was regarding native american because i have a lot of native american friends technically native american trans friends if you really want to know but uh you know that's Arizona and then the Queens from Window Rock would come live in Phoenix for some reason we have a bunch of Window Rock and uh, Look up Window Rock. It's absolutely beautiful. So I used to do this joke where I would talk about One of my friends that was an alcoholic and uh, you know like that she was native and I think her name was Sleeps on Bar, which is kind of hack, but it's also funny. And so people used to love that part of it. And then I would do another joke, and I can't remember which one it was, but it was also to do with natives and alcoholism. And I would notice that whenever I was in a white audience, they would clam up and they would really get uncomfortable. And I kept noticing that show after show I kept noticing it but like I said I have faith so I knew I was going to figure this joke out and I knew what my intentions were because that's another group that I'm really down for as natives I think I might have talked about it on my channel before but if you don't know now you know when it comes to me and Native Americans 
that is a community that I feel very connected to, especially certain people from certain tribes um, like Navajo, uh, Pima. Uh, there's a couple of tribes that I'm familiar with growing up in Arizona. That's what happens. I grew up right next to a Pima reservation, Sacatone. So this was the way that my experience has been. And this is why I talk about these particular groups of people. I never just grab a group that I don't talk about. Like if you notice, I don't do any Jewish jokes. And it's only because I don't have a lot of exposure to the Jewish community. I have a few Jewish friends, but when I was growing up in Arizona, if we had Jewish people, they usually weren't like devout or weren't practicing or weren't open about it. So that's not something I have a lot of exposure to when it comes to trans and native. Those are two groups that I have a lot of experience with when it comes to being Latino. I'm Latino. So of course I'm going to do jokes about that because obviously being Latino, that's a community I have a lot of exposure to when it comes to white people. I grew up around a lot of white people, hung out with a lot of white people, still hang out with a lot of white people right now have dated a lot of white men. So that also is a group that I have some experience with. But anyway, when it comes to this particular joke, I knew that if I just kept with it, I would figure out what it was that was bothering them. And so what happened was I ended up figuring out these people are getting uncomfortable because of white guilt. So what I did was I added a piece to that joke. And this is how that piece went that I added. I would say, yeah, I notice when I do that joke for white people, they get really uncomfortable. And I never understand that because it's just a little alcoholism joke. I mean, it's not like I stole their land. And then people would fucking die over that joke. And it just took me sticking with it. And when it comes to my jokes about AIDS and HIV, I wrote those jokes because I was dating a lot of men that were HIV positive. When I first wrote those jokes, they were seen as harsh. They were seen as uh, insensitive. They were seen as inappropriate. And those jokes, too. I just had to work with them and have faith. And eventually I figured them out. So for me, I don't think it's an option to not do things just because they make people uncomfortable. Technically, as a comedian, I feel like that's part of my job is to make people laugh at things that they otherwise wouldn't laugh at. And there are different types of comedians. There are comedians that do guitar comedy. There are comedians that do prop comedy. There's all different kinds of comedians. I just happen to be this kind of comedian and I like to figure out things that are considered edgy or inappropriate or however you'd want to word that that's what I do and I'm not gonna not do that because some people aren't comfortable with themselves or think that they have to white knight for a community that really doesn't need their help and I've had people tell me because the time that I went to the LGBT center they were like, well, how would you feel if a trans person was in the audience and because you said the trans people should stay at home until they're pretty, that they didn't want to go out anymore? And I was just like, then that person's weak. You can't blame me for that. You can't blame me because somebody feels a certain way because of a joke that I do. You just can't, especially a person like me that's been on the Internet as long as I have. And I've had people say every horrible thing to me. I have people say horrible things to me on a daily basis sometimes. And at a point, you have to let your skin get thicker than that. You have to just accept that people aren't always going to be the nicest. I'd rather you hear it from me first, a person that actually says it with a little bit of love, even if I'm reading, then hear it on the streets because eventually you're going to run into that wrong person that's not going to put up with your shit when you get mad at them because they didn't know what you were doing. It wasn't from a malicious place. 
any time that I've ever misgendered somebody outside of when I've let somebody have it, because that happened with Riley Jess Silverman, who's a trans comedian that I had to call out at a point because I was like, you really don't care about because her whole thing is she helps out the community. And I was like, yeah, you really don't help out the community. You're just trying to monetize your transition. And that's something I had to tell her outright because there was a time that I came to her LGBT to LGBT and was like, I can possibly help you with this situation. I do this for a living. This is what I do. Not the stand-up part I'm not talking about, but having to survive tough situations. Because when I say I perform in redneck clubs, that's where I am. And anybody will tell you that. Anybody that's ever done the road with me, I just came back from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Like, this is my life. This is where I am. I'm dealing with people that would possibly beat you up. Like, that's what I'm dealing with. And I have to not only disarm, but make this these audiences fall in love with me all within the span of 45 minutes. And usually I'm able to do that within five. And I'm not joking. So you think I can't possibly help you figure out how maybe you could get people to understand you a little bit better or at least like you or at least tolerate you or at least let you live? And I don't say that lightly at all. Like, this is the problem. It's If you're trying to find yourself in a place where you can move through the world more freely as the most authentic version of you, and I'm a person who has experience doing that, and I come to you and I'm like, hey, this is a way that you could really help out not only yourself but your community. And then you tell me, thanks, Ty. I'll go ahead and put that in the pile, Mark, shit I don't need. All right, well then, fuck you. Because I was legit trying to help you out. I was sincerely trying to give you some of the best advice that I could possibly give you. And it was about how more trans people should start reaching out to more straight people and letting them see the more human side of trans instead of just having people yell at them online, which is what is usually the version of trans outreach. That helps nothing. That turns more people off than anything else. I'm a person, like I said, that's very open to trans people because of the way that I was raised in the LGBT community. And sometimes the trans activists that I come across on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whichever it is, come at me in a way where I walk away from the conversation really angry and feeling like, well, maybe I don't like trans people. And then I have to remind myself, no, I have trans family. So... How could I not like trans people? I don't like trans activists is what I don't like. Just like when it comes to these white gay queens. is Sometimes I feel like I hate all white gay queens after one of these situations. I feel like that. And then I remember I have so many white friends in general. And then white gay friends that are cool and get it. And I've dated white men. And I kind of hate them. But just playing. But, you know, you, you run through it in relationships. You... I'm sure I have some of them thinking they hate Mexicans, but it's not the point. My point is you have all of that, you know, where you feel like you don't like these people and then you realize it's not the people that I don't like. It's the activists that I don't like. And that's where I think a lot of straight people get confused and cisgender people get confused is because they'll have some of these arguments with people online that are trans or gay for that matter. And they'll get such a nasty taste in their mouth afterwards that they feel like, maybe I don't like gay people. 
Maybe I don't like trans people, but unlike me, they don't have trans family. They haven't been around gay people for upwards of 20 years now. So they don't have that reminder that, oh yeah, actually I know people from those communities that are very cool, very understanding, very easy to get along with, that I actually love. They don't have that. So instead, they just think that they hate LGBT and trans people. Well, how do you think that helps you when you're trying to get into certain bathrooms? How do you think that helps you when you're trying to get people to vote a certain way? How do you think that helps you when maybe somebody's harassing you on the street and say one of these people is seeing you get harassed? Do you think they're more likely to help you out if they've had good interactions with trans people online or with LGBT people online? Or do you think they're more likely to help you if they've been cussed out and told they were stupid by a bunch of LGBT people? Which do you think is probably a more likely route to take if you want people to help you? And so that's why it'll get on my nerves sometimes. One time I had some people try to come at me about not liking an article that a trans person wrote, and I won't throw that person under the bus and say who they are, because I think that person really turned out to be more sensitive than I was expecting. But I've talked about this on stage too, and the thing was, this particular person had written an article, I didn't know it was Trans Day of Remembrance, and this particular person put out this article about being trans that was like, whenever I fly into another city, I have to see what the laws are to use the bathrooms and I have to see what is going on with the laws on. And I was like, okay, are you supposed to be a woman or not? And this was just happening in my head. This part I didn't say on the thread or in Facebook or anything like that at that point. But in my head, I was like, are you supposed to be a woman or not? Because... I know a lot of trans women and I know a lot of cisgender women. I don't know a single woman, trans or cisgender, that looks up the laws to find out whether or not they're allowed to use a bathroom. Most women I know, trans and cisgender, just walk into the women's bathroom, have no problems. Even some of the ones that aren't the most convincing because I have those friends too. And that's something that I also address in my act. There are certain friends that I have that are not convincing on any level. And that's where I think people need to understand that the joke about stay at home until you're pretty isn't necessarily referring to just physical beauty. You either feel yourself or you don't. You decide you're beautiful. The world doesn't decide that for you. You decide you're beautiful. Like some people try to talk shit to me about my look sometimes because of the plastic surgery. And I'm like, that does not affect my thinking. I know I'm beautiful. And that's why you see me hook up with a lot of people. That's why you see me have boyfriends all the time. Because I don't let the rest of the world's opinion affect the way I think about myself. As Cat Williams said, self-esteem is about yourself, bitch. And that's the way that you're really supposed to see it. It's supposed to be what you think about you, not what the rest of the world thinks of you. So if you feel like you're ugly, then you're ugly. If you feel like you're beautiful, then you're beautiful. We've all had those friends in our lives, gay, straight, bi, trans, whatever they were, we've all had those friends that the rest of the world may not see them as beautiful. But they are the most beautiful thing in the world as far as they go. As far as their mind goes, they're the most beautiful thing in the world. And if you notice, people usually want to be around them. They have no trouble getting dates. They're not lonely. They're a lot of times the life of the party. That's because they've decided. And when I talk about like trans issues within the community, I always mention Marsha P. Johnson does not get enough play in our community, which I've talked about her on this channel before. Trans woman, not traditionally beautiful. She ended up dying 
possible hate crime. I've discussed it before, but she like one of the things she was known for. And one of the reasons I don't think that the gay community really wants to focus on Marsha P. Johnson is the fact that one of her sayings was, which is really the way that more people need to look at it. People's words shouldn't affect you that much is what I'm getting at. And I know, like I said, some people will get mad at me for saying all this and some people will still disagree with me and be like, he's trying to make excuses. I don't need to make excuses. I don't make my money off the gay community. I just don't. I've never made my money off the gay community. The gay community has never been that supportive of me. And that's the other reason that I'm not paying attention to Queens, white or otherwise. Because the LGBT community, when it comes to my comedy career, has not been the most supportive. You haven't been with me throughout the entire thing. You haven't been with me even in parts. Yes, gay individuals, there have been certain gay individuals that have really supported me throughout my career. But those individuals, I just consider friends and I don't consider to be a community because that's not what they are. Usually they're people that feel like I do, that feel like the community doesn't necessarily represent them, which I hope one day the community does represent more of us. I hope one day the community does live up to that rainbow that it hides behind. I, I really wish it would, but it doesn't. A lot of LGBT people of color have even said that we're not treated with any respect at all unless we're being treated as a fetish. Unless somebody's trying to have sex with us, then usually they're not too worried about us. And that's something you won't hear a lot about from the community. That's something nobody wants to address because the same white queens that are looking down on me are going to have to admit that maybe they do have a little bit of a blind spot, that maybe they do still have some re residual racism. When it comes to Latinos, I, I made my entire living off of that when I was younger, and I don't have a problem with that. I don't see it as me having been part of the problem. I see it as me having used that system that was already in place to my advantage. I was a 19-year-old kid. No, I'm lying. I was 18 when I started escorting, and... All I know is I dated a bunch of, well, at that time, not a bunch. I dated a couple of white guys that really treated me like a fetish and like a whore. And that's what it was. And I was a good boy at that time. No, I was 18. You know, I really was a good boy. I came out when I was 17. And so, or maybe, no, I was, yeah, just about to turn 17. So I was like 16 when I came out. Um, and... I remember really being a good boy and thinking that these were my boyfriends because that's what they talked to me like. That's what they treated me like. And then they would cheat on me with other Latino boys that, you know, had a similar look. And then I realized that I wasn't anything special to them and that I wasn't their boyfriend. Basically, I was a whore not getting paid and not realizing that I was a whore. And so once I figured that out, I was like, okay, well... If I'm going to get treated like this by these people anyway, then I might as well be an actual whore and skip getting dinner or drinks or whatever the fuck they're giving me and actually get that shit on my own. And guess what? It was a much better route as far as I go because I ended up with a lot more money than if I had just continued dating these guys and getting dinners from them and being sweet talked that too is something that a lot of the community wouldn't want to talk about in a lot of cases that's what it is and i mentioned the girls the trans girls and that we became friends because we were all prostitutes and that's really what it was then you say that and some people are like are you saying all trans women are prostitutes and it's like no that's not what i'm saying at all 
But I'm saying when I was coming up, a lot of trans women had no choice but to be prostitutes because that was the only way to live as their authentic selves. Because otherwise, if they went to a day job, once people saw on their ID that it said male, they would want them to dress accordingly. And I had friends that did that too. I had one friend that worked for a jewelry store or a kiosk that was a jewelry kiosk. And she would, it was in a mall, and she would um, put her hair in a ponytail and she would strap down her boobs so that she would resemble some sort of male. She wasn't the best at it, you know, because she had taken so many steps to be a woman that she... And she looked very feminine, you know, so she's a pretty girl. But as a boy, she looked kind of weird. But the place she was working was willing to accept that as long as she would dress like a boy or like the gender that they thought she should be or that her I that coincided with her ID. So it is what it is. And people are welcome to get mad at me. But. You know, when I was talking about the one person that had posted that article, I shared the article and I said that it was a lame article because the whole article was just from a victim perspective. And then her girlfriend got mad at me, who was a cisgender woman that now identified as a lesbian because her boyfriend had decided to transition because they were together. I'm not being disrespectful when I say her boyfriend. They were boyfriend and girlfriend originally and then uh, her boyfriend transitioned and became a woman. So then she identified as a lesbian, which I get, but at the same time, don't get too cute and don't get too comfortable because you're really not. That's not what it was. You found yourself in this position, but that's not what your experience has been. So yeah, but no. So this person that identifies as a lesbian starts telling me like, it's trans day of remembrance and how dare you? And I'm like, it's a shitty article. I don't care if it's trans day of remembrance. And my thing with that whole article was you could have fixed that entire article by being like, but I'm the bitch that still does it. Every whiny thing you said about bathrooms and having to live in Orange County and walking through the mall and how, you know, being a woman is so hard and just this whole shit that this person was going on about to me could have been at least cleaned up if she was like, but I'm still the bitch that does it. Or, you know, I'm going to find my way around it. Because to me, that's where you could be like the Rosa Parks. If you really want to be an activist, if you really want to lump yourself in with civil rights and everything else that you try to in the LGBT community, because a lot of people are stretching in a lot of ways, patting themselves on the back, damn near breaking their arms, patting themselves on the backs because they think they're doing so much in the activist way. Really, you're not. You're yelling at people on Facebook is what you're doing. That's not activism. Activism is if you decide to be the Rosa Parks of the women's bathroom. If you decide, you know what, I'm sitting on this toilet and I'm not getting up for no white woman. <laughs> but you know, in general, white woman, black woman, whoever it is, a cisgender female, I'm not getting up for anybody. I'm a woman just like you because that's what they claim. You know, like you're a woman just like any other woman. So cool. I'm a woman just like you. I'm going to sit on this fucking toilet. I'm going to go to the bathroom and I'll be on my way when I'm done, just like everybody else. Then I'll have respect for you as an activist. Then I'll have respect for you as making some kind of change. But for now, you're just a bitch with a blog and back of the bus, Rosa. Anyway, stay unbothered. This has been Ty Rivera, the absolute best LGBTQ comedian in the world. Mm -hmm.